Hey everybody, welcome back. It's Mondo. Time for another ramble. Um, thanks to all three of you who listened to the last one. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> um, hopefully this one will be, uh, we'll get to some of the stuff that I was talking about last time. Um, yeah, football ate up that last podcast. So this time we'll move into some other stuff. Probably not Skywalker, though, because I'll be honest, I watched all of Daredevil last week. All three seasons. And it was wild. I really liked it. Um, there was so much I liked about Daredevil. <laughs> it was I didn't know... I don't know why I hadn't seen it, to be honest. And then... I don't even know, honestly, what made me start watching it. Um, but even just the first episode or two, I was really hooked mostly by the fact that they weren't rushing anything. There was room for the characters to breathe, for the story to breathe, for nuance, for gray areas, for everybody to sort of just kind of, you know, for the world to develop. And that was really cool. Pardon me. Um, And yeah, I, I was really fascinated by... What the heck? had an ad pop up while I was doing this. Um, yeah, I was just kind of fascinated by the whole the whole world and stuff. So, of course, the nerd that I am, I started doing some digging and trying to find out more about the history and what, like, where did Daredevil come from, his origin in the comics, what was he like in those comics, um, you know, all that stuff. And um, the first thing that I tried to find out and it was really hard to dig this up but the I noticed very quickly when I looked at the old comics that it was always Daredevil the man without fear I was like what the hell is that (laughs) what does that have anything because from the show there's nothing really about that except for the very end spoilers for anybody who is listening to this who has not seen Daredevil and does not want to hear anything about Daredevil, this is a full spoiler, not even a review, but discussion and ramble. So tune out now. But at the end of the series, at least to this point, um, oh yeah, it's July, what is it? No, it's not July. Wow, idiot. It is Monday, September 21st, 2020. And I have lost my mind and sense of time. So at the end of season three, Daredevil gives that whole monologue about, um, well, it's it's a monologue, but it's a eulogy, in a eulogy about um, Father What's-His-Name who passed away. Um, And I'll be honest, I, I did not look up a transcript of this, so all I remember really is him basically saying that Father so and sos example taught him to try and be a man without fear, someone who was not ruled by fear, governed by fear, all of that, that that's the kind of person he should strive to be. So that really sparked my interest because that line was, you know, as soon as I ended the series, that was kind of the line that that hung with me. And so then when I saw the comic strip saying the man without fear, I thought, okay, well, what is this? Why is, this is a headline. Why is this not a bigger deal in the comic, in the TV show? Where did this come from? Why did it not really get addressed at all in the show if it's such a big tagline? Um, I'm pretty sure, like, uh, what is it? 
Oh, gosh, what's his name? He wrote some of the Batman comics. Very big. He retconned Daredevil and made him big. Um, I forget the guy's name right now. Um, But whoever the writer was that retconned Daredevil in the 70s, I think. Oh, no, 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 80s, I think, and made him gave him like the dark edge that he had in the in, that we definitely saw in the tv series um that whole thing was called daredevil the man without fear like that was the arc um i'm pretty sure so from what i could figure out daredevil like the idea of the man without fear made sense back in the 60s i think when daredevil actually showed up um because the focus was um, on his kind of acrobatics and his uh, gymnastic abilities, not so much his fighting skills. So he was more like creative uh, in getting out of you know tough scrapes because he was blind and all this stuff. That was kind of the fascination. Was kind of imagine a gymnast being blind. You would be more fascinated with the fact that they can just do anything and like move around with than with like their their fighting abilities or anything like that. That seemed to be who Daredevil was. Um, as originally written by Stan Lee. So he was more of the acrobat, and therefore, like, the... I don't know, you can just kind of picture it in the sort of cheesy early comics of, like, with a death-defying leap, he, you know, clears the rooftop or something, you know. There was some picture of him... um, What's it called? Daredevil in, in the early comics, maybe issue two, I think where he's like spinning down a a pole with a cane like and he's holding onto a cane and that's wrapped around a pole and he's like spinning round and round and round and making some joke about how he's glad he can't see because he would be like really dizzy or like terrified um so there's definitely some there was some posts um on either comic vine or some other one other um you know like a wiki website that actually did it was very helpful for me because it it kind of explained that it had to do more with the acrobatics and then it showed gave like three different stills from the first three issues that that showed stanley and you know everybody leaning really heavily into the idea of like him being an acrobat him kind of defying uh gravity and all sorts of things like that with everything that he was trying to that he was doing um and also his emphasis on creative creative escapes um so that was that was all very cool, um, and I was like, okay, that that makes more sense, and I can also see why that didn't make it into twenty thirteen or whenever this year the TV show started, because um, it definitely has the dark Frank Miller. That's his name, isn't it? Frank Miller. I can't look it up because then it'll stop recording. Um, I need to find a way to be able to do that. But Frank Miller was the one who took over Daredevil, I think it was in the 80s, he retconned everything, so basically he started from scratch, and his Daredevil was way darker, and more brooding, and all of that kind of stuff, so that is like the heavy pull, from what I understand, that's the heavy pull that came, went into the TV series, um, was like all of the mood and things like that, and also kind of like exploring more of the, like, his powers, um, and things like that. Also, I'm pretty sure that was the the comic series where his costume got darker. Actually, no. It may have it may have been before him where he got like the red suit. He started out in like a a black bodysuit. 
but with yellow arms and legs um, and a yellow helmet. So, or, or hood or whatever he was wearing. Um, so that was interesting. There's apparently after Frank Miller's, I don't know if it's directly after Frank Miller, I can't remember, but at some point down the road, there's a, another like arc that's called Daredevil Yellow where that kind of suit returns. But I think it's also more of the, the dark vibe. Um, so that was interesting. Um, how he just kind of, yeah, I guess just the times, um, were more conducive to the dark brooding superhero. Um, now that I say that out loud, I wonder when Frank Miller's Batman was that he wrote. I'm assuming he already done it. And that's why Marvel brought him in to kind of revitalize uh, Daredevil because of his work with Batman. But I am not sure. That would, that would be worth looking into. should make a note if I had a pen. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. I, I, I did feel like the last episode rushed stuff. And I found out the day before I watched the last episode that the show ended very abruptly at season three. And I was very disturbed because I thought I had like five seasons to watch and I only had three and I was in season three. And I was like, well, shit, it's almost over. So that sucked. But, and I say that because it may have tainted my view a bit of the last episode because the last episode felt rushed. It felt it felt like they crammed stuff in. It felt like they kind of, they forced the issue on like trying to wrap the story up uh, in a way that was satisfying. It didn't feel like they were trying to send Kingpin to jail at that moment in the story. But it's like they chose to because they had nothing else to do. It was, or I mean, their other option was to leave some gaping cliffhanger with no promise of like closing it off. Because um, like they only sent him to prison Daredevil didn't kill him. There's a whole, like, so that kind of thing was put to rest, at least for now. Like, Matt Murdock is sort of back. Um, But Bullseye, they definitely left the door open with Bullseye, you know, not being paralyzed at the end, or presumably not paralyzed at the end. Um, And the fact that Kingpin is only in prison. So they definitely left all of the doors open, but it's still, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is that last episode did its job, from what I understand. Um, but I can't help but wonder what would have happened if they hadn't had to end the season so abruptly. Um, but apparently a friend of mine said, uh, and a huge Daredevil fan, he said that Marvel gets the rights back, like, next year, which I didn't know. Apparently, like, Netflix owns it now, or at least somewhat owns it, so Marvel just can't do whatever the hell they want to do. Um, but they get that back next year. So that would be interesting to see if e- a if the series comes back and just kind of picks up with, you know, this cast of characters or if they do something else. And I'm sure there are rumors out there. I did not look into it yet. Um the only thing that I've heard about sort of related to Daredevil is that Tom Holland apparently wants the Punisher in his his Spider-Man movies which would be badass. I freaking loved the Punisher in season two of Daredevil. It was so cool. 
uh, like he, uh, yeah, there's so much that I find fascinating about the character of the Punisher. And I'm currently watching that series now. Um, I'm like maybe four or five episodes in, um, of those, alas, only two seasons. But A, the fact that John Bernthal plays the Punisher was fantastic for me because I love John Bernthal in like everything that I've seen him in, which admittedly is not a ton. <laughs> but I think I'm pretty sure he was in the Pacific. He was in, um, Ford vs. Ferrari. I saw him in, obviously, like Daredevil, um, things like that. There's something else. I've, I've definitely seen him in something else that he was fantastic in, and I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah, but anyway, I he has always... I've always been very happy with everything that I've seen him do. And my gosh, Punisher just... Whew, like, he's a great... He's a great character and person in the world of Hell's Kitchen and Daredevil and all of that. Um... And it's it's it sets up the it sets up Daredevil's you know character arc pretty nicely as a contrast because that whole season two, uh, well, yeah, the whole as far as they kind of blend together. But as I can recall, all of season two, it's well the first half is the Punisher arc, and that kind of fades out, and the Elektra arc rises in there, and that kind of falls by the end of the season, I think. So there, as I recall, there are those kind of two distinct um, phases, I guess, arcs of the within the season. The Punisher arc was fantastic, partially because, uh, well, a lot of stuff, but A, um, he's a, a person who just kills. And he's, he's just, he's fed up with the bullshit. He doesn't care about any... You know, no law is going to make things right. He's just like, they're going to get out on the street anyway. So I'm just going to kill him, put him in the ground. Nobody's coming back. Problems are solved. Um, and he's so quick to take a life, whereas Daredevil goes to extreme lengths to not take lives. He's still very brutal in how he treats people, um, but he will not cross that line. And that's a big theme Um and a big back and forth between the two of them um, throughout that, that season. And it, it sets up that uh, after Electra, again, spoilers, Electra dies. Of course, we knew she wasn't going to stay dead forever. Um, that's another idea that just did not, because the series was cut short, I, I'm assuming, that idea did not get explored because season two ends with Electra, I'm pretty sure it ends, with Electra being put in the damn bring back cauldron thing, you know, they're going to bring her back to life. Um, and then this, the next season opens with like her and Matt in a building collapsing that didn't get explained. I'm assuming that's a reference to a comic series event that people who know will understand and then kind of like bring bags in with it, um, in context. But I did not understand that and felt like that was very much lacking. Um, but after that, after Elektra dies, now it's Daredevil's turn. Daredevil is now like, he cares less and less about being a moral upstanding person and comes closer and closer to crossing that line that he always held of taking a life. Like Batman, like always like the Joker pushed him to the line. This wasn't, you know, um, Punisher wasn't pushing him to that line at all, but Punisher was that guy who was, 
over the line, on the other side of the line, um, who, yeah, it was, it was just fascinating to, to have somebody on the other side of the line from Daredevil, um, who is not just like a cold-blooded killer, you know? Like, I mean, he obviously can be. <laughs> he can definitely kill people. That's, but it's more of like, he, he's complicated. He's, he's nuanced. He's, uh, he's not wholly good. He's not wholly bad. He's, yeah, there's just, this, there's so much going on. And it's like, it was a very, very cool portrayal of him. Because he started out in, in his introduction in season two, very much as the cold-blooded killer. Um, and this was like kind of before anyone knew, like, who was knocking off all of the the mafias and the cartels and everybody, um, to the fact that he, you know, he shoots daredevil <laughs> in the head um like all this stuff they're just like whoa like what's going on here and people who've read the comics i'm sure were not surprised at all by any of this um i have read no comics in my life at all so i get to come into these shows and movies knowing nothing about what exists getting to just kind of see what's done and then kind of go back and be like oh this 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 I'm not trying to say my way of experiencing this is better or whatever than others, but that's just kind of a context for how I approach this. Um, so when I encountered the Daredevil in this series, or the Punisher in this show, I didn't know much about him. I didn't realize, the, you know, all of the the complexities and how, like, yeah, how complicated his character was. Um and the motivations that, that kind of like drift back and forth from good, evil, the, the ends justify the means, you know, all of that. Um, it's like, it's, he's, yeah, he was a really interesting character and uh, very satisfying, it, which may sound, maybe that says something awful about me, or maybe that just says something about, no, I don't know that it says something awful about me. Um, not because I, I like to think bad of myself, <laughs> but because I think that could either come from a place of like, oh yes, killing is great. We love it. But I think for most people, that's not the case. I, I think, I mean, this is going off of the assumption that most people have not killed anyone. Um, and I think if most of us did kill somebody, there would be a lot of hesitancy to just say like oh yes killing is rocks you know like it's easy to look at tv shows and be like oh killing you think nothing of it but there's difference in real life when that happens but i think the reason that um punisher is appealing to people is not because we all love to kill but i think it's because we there is something there is something in us that loves justice and punisher seeks justice Means, are they justified? Definitely up for debate. If not, no, not justified. Um, in most cases, certainly. But I think that's the reason why he's so appealing is because he just gets shit done, and he it's it's the it's the bad guys, right? It's the people who who deserve something. Um, so I think his character just kind of taps into the frustration that all of us have when evil is allowed to walk away untouched and when bad people 
or people do bad things to others and don't suffer consequences for it or consequences that should be suffered, we feel. That's what uh, Punisher taps into. And that's, I think, why he's so fascinating, uh, especially compared to Daredevil. Um, because my impression of Daredevil was like, and so in in many ways, he's satisfying too, uh, to watch because he takes things into his own hands without, you know, killing, obviously. <clears throat> but um, is still able to kind of dish out um, justice. But like, he has the harder job for sure than the Punisher. Punisher just needs to find the target and eliminate it. Daredevil has the complication of find the target don't kill the target, um, try and bring them to justice within the system somehow. Um, of course, that's complicated because he's breaking legs and arms and faces and all that stuff in the process. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. It just There was a lot, a lot going on in that show that I really, really loved. And the characters were so cool. Um, and the fact that they had so much time and space to just breathe and to to come to life and to interact and for the world to grow and form and you to just kind of like slowly fall into it and be immersed in it. I was I after a couple of episodes, I had the thought of like they made a movie with Ben Affleck as Daredevil that was like I, I don't know, it's probably like an hour and a half, two hours long. If you tried to pack season one into a movie a, I mean, you couldn't have every all of the events take place in a movie that short. But even let's just say you tried to get everything done that season one did in just one movie, it wouldn't work. Like the, you would have it wouldn't feel as real. It wouldn't feel as legit because I mean, like Kingpin, um, he he evolves, he grows. Like he, yeah, he's a crime boss, you know, from the get go in the show but you learn more and more about him slowly over time. And that matters. The fact that you have to wait for him to kind of rise and then see that full extent of his power and influence when he's literally in a, a truck with, what was it? It was a SWAT guy. I think FBI was in the last season, so I don't want to project that onto the first season. But whoever was in that, that truck escorting him, he had moles inside that escort that got him out, even after he'd been arrested. Like, the, the fact that that didn't just happen at, like, the beginning of a movie. You know, like, if that happened in the first 15 minutes of a Daredevil movie, you'd be like, oh, okay, so this guy's really powerful. But you would just know that in your mind. You wouldn't have that kind of, like, you wouldn't have seen how he got there. You wouldn't have seen all of the horrible things that happened or all of the very, like, manipulative things that happened to put him in that position. But that's what doing the long-form TV show did. It gave everything a chance to build on itself. And then, as a result of that, we all got to really believe what was going on and really dive into it. And it was awesome. It was so cool. I loved it. So 10 out of 10 recommend Daredevil, because this was obviously a review. Um, gosh, I actually have notes for this one. Rather than just, you know, completely talking off of the top of my head. Um, oh, yeah. So, okay. Apparently, my research, I stumbled across this line that Kingpin gives. Um, I think he's tried to kill Daredevil, and it didn't work. And now he's like, oh, shit, he's coming for me. Um, 
And he says maybe to to Bullseye or somebody else, he's like, um, I see that a man with nothing to lose is a man without fear. And that was interesting too. Because the... A, that means that if you have something to lose, you have something you care about. Certainly something you care about enough to lose it. Um, so if you have nothing to lose, like, are you even human almost? That seems to be what that kind of is driving at um, in some ways. Like, if you've got nothing to lose, are you, like, are you missing some part of humanity? Um, because you're just willing to just throw away everything. It also made me wonder whether that line could just be turned back on the kingpin in some ways. Um, he had definitely had stuff to lose, though, um, for sure. And in the TV show, obviously, I think both Daredevil and Kingpin had things to lose. Um, sometimes Daredevil, there was half a season or more where Daredevil pretended like he didn't have anything to lose um, and tried not to care about anything. But And that was also cool. I liked that arc. I, well, I like, yeah, I liked that that um, period for the character of, of Daredevil, Matt Murdock. Because that was also a very human experience of like loss, lack of belief, lack of faith, and just kind of like a downward spiral, but not unrealistic. Like it wasn't immediately just going off the deep end. It was kind of more of a slow, like just lack of willingness to engage with any kind of belief or hope or relationships that were positive in his life and that's very realistic and very real and it wasn't um it didn't feel contrived or anything for the character um that was also really cool i like that um yeah i think those are all my my initial thoughts about daredevil anyway um the only other thing on my note sheet is the washington football team because i was watching while i was making notes i was watching the game what a 180 from last week. Yikes. It sucked. Um, I am not an expert in this at all, so I'm, I'm going to probably sound like I think I'm an expert. Um, I, I'm trying to approach this season as um, just really try and pay attention to um, the ebb and flow of the team. And see, like, okay, I noticed these strengths in week one or these weaknesses in week one. In week two, with my limited knowledge, were we still weak in this area? Were we still strong in that area, et cetera, et cetera? To just try and be, like, and not just follow the outcome of the game, uh, like, as far as the points and stuff like that. Because different opponents and all that um, matter. And and I don't know enough about, you know, the details, like, formations or strategy, really. I could talk broad strokes, just whatever, you know, my pea brain comes up with. But I don't know if that's actually legit, you know. I, I should actually, I should have a friend on here sometime because he'd probably be able to talk about all of that. And maybe I could learn a little about, you know, different strategies and things like that rather than broad strokes. Weak, weak defensive line, run the football, something like that. Um, so what I noticed in week one for us was our secondary, even though we got, I think, three interceptions, um, our secondary got beat a lot in the first half, and uh, the Eagles were kind of just doing whatever they wanted back there. And from what I recall, the reason we got those three picks was because we our defensive line was amazing and just 
scared Carson Wentz, and he just started throwing the ball up, so we got to pick it off. We did not do that to Kyler Murray. and Not at all. I don't think we had one sack. Um, I noticed he was dropping back a lot, but I don't know if that's because he knew our defensive line was really good last week and that was a game plan, or if that's just Kyler Murray being young and he's just getting a massive drop back and it's kind of his style. Um, it's possible that our defensive line was, you know, its reputation came forward and therefore <clears throat> Murray just, you know, dropped back. Like it seemed like every play he was, that he had the ball in his hands for more than two seconds, he was just dropping back like seven steps. Um, but that might not be the case. Um, and either way, it didn't matter. <laughs> we don't think we touched the guy like once. Um, we, we maybe made him leave the, the pocket a few times and, but the problem was he would just run for like, you know, 10 yards. He's quick. He was really quick. Um, I was, yikes, he was quick. (laughs) So they, I don't, I don't want to just be like, oh, our defensive line, that was a fluke. We sucked. Like I noticed a few things. Um, A, I noticed that Chase Young, even though, yeah, he didn't get a sack, dude was, I mean, he was running down, uh, I mean, they would hand the ball off all the time. He was running down the play all the time. Or a number of times I noticed him get tackles like across the field because he ran down the runner. Um, and that was just cool and impressive. Like, you know, yeah, you would want him to get sacks. It's his second game in the NFL though. Um, so I was just glad to see the fighting spirit there. Um, I will say our defensive line was, yeah, we didn't we didn't do the job that we did last week. But um, there were a couple of times I noticed that we seemed to they double teamed a lot, um, and I will also say that I mean the the Cardinals. I'm assuming this was their game plan, but they got the ball out of uh, Murray's hands so quickly. It was either a handoff or a really quick, quick pass. They didn't really give our defense time to get to the quarterback. Um, so if that, I mean, kudos to them for not really, for, you know, just making that the game plan. And also like, yeah, we just couldn't, we couldn't get to the quarterback. We, they got a bunch of quick, quick passes, it seemed like, and that brings me back to our secondary because, again, it seemed like they could do whatever they wanted. You know, definitely with the short passes, they got some longer passes on us too. Um, and it seems like the secondary is still something we need to work on um, despite those three interceptions last week. We had one interception early in the game, and that went nowhere. That was another thing that we didn't do well this this uh, past Sunday was the opportunities that we had to get some points, um, all of that, we, we really blew some good opportunities in the first half that would have put us in a better spot. Um, or we didn't capitalize on those opportunities, I should say. Uh, we offense didn't get into a rhythm until late in the game. Passing game was not really in a good rhythm. Running game was on and off, as I remember. So there was we definitely didn't hit the stride that we hit in the second half of last week. We didn't pick it up and we didn't really hit it again until, I mean, I guess maybe at the end of the game a little bit on offense. 
defense never had the same impact though um and i can't i can't pin down all of those reasons why but that's those are just my my lay observations um we oh we also had did we have a, a fumbled punt return too so we had some more mistakes this week um than last week i remember so yeah just just a lot a lot going on um at least we didn't have uh real injuries i don't think ionitis had to you know hobble off but i don't think he was he was out for long that was the other thing i noticed the defensive line seemed to rotate a lot uh i didn't i didn't remember seeing that last week but like i rarely saw kerrigan and um young on the on the field at the same time and that seemed odd given that both of them had a very big game last week you would think you would want to bring that back but maybe there were health issues i didn't know of um or maybe that was a strategy they were thinking it was going to be a long game they wanted to rotate the line out you've got a scrambling very quick quarterback um it's going to wear everybody out so i mean i don't know and i'm not trying to say any of this being like i know better (laughs) it's more of just my observations and i'm trying to this year i'm really trying to be a student of the team in a way and try and and Try to not be either too caught up in the like, oh, we're amazing, we suck, whatever. Like all the emotional swings and try and really focus in on like, okay, what did we do here? What did we not do here? What happened? What didn't happen? Like try and like put myself more and more into the position of the coaches and players and try and be like, okay. What I'm really hoping to see by the end of the season is just growth and development. Like if we can be consistent in a lot of ways – uh, by the end of the season, um, I'll be happy. And that's why I'm trying not to focus too much on scores and whatever and trying more to focus on things like gameplay and and um, performances and things like that because I think those will be, as a fan, those are what I would rather see because this is a building year. This is not a year that we're going to be amazing. Um, I, I don't even think we're going to have a winning record necessarily. <laughs> Um, and I, nor do I think that should necessarily be like the goal for fans of like, oh, if they don't win X many, like these many games and make the playoffs or win the Super Bowl, we're going to, you know, we, everybody, everything sucks again. That's been a problem in Washington for a long time. We're not really satisfied with the long game. Um, so I think as fans, we need to be satisfied with the long game too. Alrighty. Wow. Whole 35 minutes. Pretty good. Um, I guess, okay, let me, <laughs> a few quick thoughts on Skywalker, because I I said I would, I hyped it up last week and then didn't say anything about it. Um, Rise of Skywalker, I saw it, and it was interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that I disliked it, I don't know that I liked it, I liked some parts of it, other parts I was just like, eh, it's fine. It wasn't particularly... Yeah, it wasn't particularly moving. There were some parts that were moving. Um, but I don't know. It just didn't have the same weight to me that another movie did. Um, or, I mean, and by another movie, I just mean other Star Wars movies. Um, like, they made a big deal out of 3PO dying, essentially. Like, with his memory being wiped. Except they restored it, like, an hour later. And I was like, well, the stakes that you told me were there, you then negated them later and i feel robbed 
Um, I felt like some of the stakes were robbed in in the movie. I was listening to a bunch of interviews and um, or not interviews, but reviews and people talking about the movie, and a lot of people said um, there were there were missed opportunities and things um, with this film. Um, and I think everyone agreed that basically the first hour was rewriting the end of, or rewriting Last Jedi, or essentially negating Last Jedi. <laughs> um, and like kind of J.J. Abrams saying, this is how I would have done the last movie, and I would have gotten us to this point, and then made the movie that I wanted to make as like Rise of Skywalker. Um, but that's not what happened, so here we go. Um, and I think I, I definitely see that for sure. Big beef that people had with this movie was the fact that they went on a, a by they, I mean, Ray and, um, gosh, I guess, uh, I guess it was just Ray really, um, went on a huge wild goose chase for this artifact that would help her navigate to the Sith planet or whatever. And it was like, I forget what the term was. Somebody threw out a good term um, that this thing was. Basically, it was just like a... Yeah, it was a goose chase. It was, like, it was utterly unnecessary because by the time um, she ended up like just taking Kylo Ren's thing and using that. And it was like, my gosh. Um, this, was, this was so convoluted. Um, and I think I get that. There's something... I get that to an extent. Um, and I, I think emotionally I'm more with it, but then there's that part of me that's like, I studied Arthurian literature for an entire year and good Lord, those stories are full of quests that seem totally pointless and like, like inefficient and you totally could have done this a different way and we would have accomplished the same goal and whatever and yada. Um, but there, so the part of me that studied that, cause most of those stories, that's not the point. The point wasn't the object, it's the journey. Um, so there's that part of me that's going like, well, there was the journey and things happened, which is true. Things did happen. She kicked Kylo Ren's ass and, you know, other stuff. But, um, oh, also spoiler, this, there, I can't believe there are people who haven't seen, well, if you're like me and you haven't seen Rise of Skywalker, um, tune out. There will be spoilers um, for the next few minutes. Another idea, the uh, the idea of her being um, Palpatine's granddaughter was, I was like, okay, fine, sure. Um, but I was disappointed that she then said Skywalker at the end. It was like, I get it, you're rejecting Palpatine. It's like his line dies with you in a way, even though his bloodline didn't. Um, like, you killed him off, end of the Sith, all this kind of stuff. But it kind of would have been cool, and I'm stealing this totally from other people who said it, but I agree with them. It kind of would have been cool that um, if Ray at the end had said, like, I'm, you know, Palpatine or whatever... Um, as a kind of co-opting, or not even co-opting, but being like, yeah, this is the name, and this is me now changing the trajectory of this name and this bloodline and what it what it means and stands for. 
um, and just kind of owning who you are rather than trying to be something that you're not. Um, the argument goes both ways, though, because you can definitely argue that, well, Rey is very much a Skywalker because she was trained by Leia and Luke and, um, you know, they were more her family than the Palpatine bloodline was and all that stuff. Um, so I see it, but it, it kind of would have been cool. I also understand why you just don't want to open the can of worms um, as a storyteller. Like at the end of the movie, like, oh, I'm Ray Palpatine. And no, we're not making any more movies about this. So <laughs> you're just going to have to live with like, what the hell? What are the consequences? What's the fallout of that decision? Um, so, yeah, I get it. I I don't know if I would have done it differently. Um, I'm not, I wasn't hugely invested in the Star Wars movies that were coming out. I really liked Rogue One and I really liked The Mandalorian and I'm very stoked for season two next month. So there's there's definitely Star... I'm never going to not love Star Wars because I think everyone... Once you're exposed to Star Wars, I think, in any you know significant kind of way and you spend time in that world, it's really hard to not like that world and not fall in love with parts of it. Um, but there are... Uh, I think there are other other stories to be told <laughs> and other ways to tell those stories which could be interesting um all right well i think that's i'm gonna wrap it up there that's a good place to cut it off um for you three listeners and anyone else who picks up this week or may pick up this week let me know if there are any topics you want me to cover i'm still figuring out the trajectory of this podcast and kind of shaping it and molding it as i go so I appreciate your feedback. I appreciate, um, yeah, any any thoughts you have. I think next week or the week after, I'm going to have a guest and do kind of just a, a conversation on a given topic. Um, so we'll see how that format goes. Um, and yeah, I'll continue to get, hopefully get some feedback and some listens from you all. And uh, in the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, enjoy, enjoy life. It's beautiful weather where I am. So I was about to say, enjoy the weather. Then I realized you can be anywhere in the world. So I don't know. Anyway, take care, guys.